so a few of you guys sneak in there and hide out for a minute, and then we'll knock on the door and pretend to be selling Englishmen. I'll do the catch-up first, because, Brent, you don't even know what the hell this game's about. So I should probably do that. All of your characters felt like they were born to do something else, and they were meant for better things in life. And then they all started to have these dreams of this woman in blue standing on a cliffside, urging them to come and meet her. And so you all abandoned your families and friends and jobs and made this trek to this cliffside at the top of this cliff overlooking the ocean. And you found this woman in blue who was basically this seven foot tall, completely immobile, basically marble statue very weather-worn and then in one hand she clutched two severed human heads and then in the other she had three severed human heads and she also had a feast laid out for you and she basically implored you to help her in her quest to free her ally who was held by a titan in a prison somewhere in a hole in the sky far in the distance over the ocean which you could reach via an invisible bridge yeah there's a lot of trust going on here this woman in blue said that she needed to keep her identity secret and she said i know each of you your minds and your hearts and yet i must keep my identity veiled if i were even to think my true name it would instantly be sensed by our enemies and they would race here to break our fellowship and confound our plans Please let me be known to you as the lady in blue. Trust me that I am a friend and not one that would mislead you. So there, Damon, you were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? She said, know this, our enemies, who are indeed the enemies of all right-thinking people of this world, have kept you from living the lives you were meant to live. Each of you was born under the wrong stars, a misfortune fostered upon you by our enemies. But I wish to be your ally. I can set this misfortune right. Make America great again. Oh, Jesus, God. <laughs> oh, no. Now I have a different purpose in this mission. <laughs> you could reach this hole in the sky via, via an invisible bridge that you could step onto by stepping off this cliff, which was about 300 feet over the ocean. And in this prison, she said, the warden of the prison is a titan, a fierce creature that cannot be slain by mortal means. This titan keeps a prisoner in a cage of alderwood. Its prisoner is our ally, and to say her name aloud would give my presence away to our enemies. She drew a name in the dirt, and the name was Drezta, D-R-E-Z-Z-T-A. Hmm. And then she said, never speak the name aloud. I would ask that you take this bridge tonight under the full moon. Free our ally. Those who do shall be my trusted friends, and I shall set their stars right with this. And then she opened up this kind of fracture in the sky and showed you this great spinning wheel of fortune and told you that if you succeeded, you could spin on this wheel of destiny and alter your life's future. And win a new car! Yeah. So see, mm -hmm. it's... It's all totally legit. This is all above board, 100%. And I will point out that nobody asked her why she was clutching five separate human heads. I mean, that seemed like a delicate question to ask in the moment. So then you all went on this invisible bridge across the ocean, and it took you like three days. Um, some of you were blown off during a storm, unfortunately. 
And then on the third day, you came across a shipwreck and the ship was covered in giant birds called shrikes, which then they also attacked you. And they did in some of you, but you actually, um, you managed to fight them off incredibly well. I believe you were attacked by seven shrikes. And then at the end of the third day, you began to see an odd shimmer of air on the horizon that got closer and closer. And eventually a 15 foot diameter window in the universe surrounded by crackling blue fingers of energy opened up. And beyond it, you could see another world with a magenta sky. And then you all began to step through the hole. And that was where we left off. We can either do a take back and you can still stand in front of the hole. Or... Oh, no, no. No, I'm here. I'm here to step through the hole. Absolutely. Yep. We can send the duck through first. If you want. Or the mule. I mean, no, no, no. We can't go back. I have to go forward to go back. Yes, yep. this is true. Twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. As long as the duck and the mule aren't upset, then we're fine. As you step through the hole, your ears pop and the sudden warmth of this place makes you momentarily dizzy. You're in what must be an entirely different world. The air is misty, but as best you can tell, the sky is a bright magenta color. You're standing in what appears to be some sort of bamboo forest. But this bamboo is thinner and flatter than you have ever seen. Looking behind you, you can no longer see the rip in the universe. Your companions seem to be stepping in through thin air. The air is heavy and has an oppressively intense scent like saffron. The mist limits your visibility, but you can see a dark structure rising out of the mists ahead. Oh, what the? What is that? That is strange. Ooh. It appears to be a huge naturally formed tower covered in huge thorns. Okay. It looks almost like that's where SpongeBob SquarePants lives. His pants aren't square. (laughs) (laughs) So as you all get in, suddenly you hear another noise behind you. You start to see these rather strange looking individuals clamor through from the portal on the other side. You see standing before you four nearly identical chitinous insect people. One of them is wearing blue, the other one is wearing purple, one is wearing red, and the last is wearing yellow. One in blue identifies itself as Gorg. One in purple identifies itself as Doris. One in yellow identifies itself as Fleddy. And the one in red identifies itself as Nib. Greetings. Okay, kill it. (laughs) I am Jane, Kathy, and Gina. Oh, now I have to roll a 17-sided die. Fortunately, I'm playing Dungeon Crawl Classic, so I have one. <laughs> so you can just tell the computer to roll a 17-sided die? No, I've got a 16-sided oh. die, so I'll... So uh, roll that uh, and then a one-sided die. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else needs to reintroduce any of their characters for Brent's benefit and for the uh, for the lovely listeners. But Plus, it's been... I don't know, I think 15 years since we played it last. Specifically. Unless Brent doesn't care. (laughs) I feel that I will be able to catch up uh, as we go. Yes, I think so too. So you're in the, the midst of this very strange bamboo forest and in the distance, several miles away, it's difficult to tell, but you would estimate that it's several miles away is this rather strange looking tower shrouded in mist and it seems to be surrounded by giant thorns. It looks like in the picture, are we actually on a road towards this tower? 
it's not really a road. It's, it seems more like a kind of a natural track. It's covered in okay. kind of like thorn bushes and shrub. I think we should go to the tower. Yes, proceed. Yeah, what other what options Let's do we go. have? Okay, forward to the tower. Okay. You start walking towards the tower. You're walking for about two hours, and you notice that the thorn bushes are getting thicker and more difficult to get through, and they're impeding your way, but you manage to cut and hack your way through them. These thorn bushes seem to be growing in thickness and intensity around those, so the going is much more difficult. But as you're moving along, you hear a slithering and rustling around you, and you notice that one of the larger thorn bushes to your right seems to be moving. Its branches and tendrils, they appear to be growing and moving before you quite rapidly, and it seems to be taking on a somewhat human form, and... Then you just hear more rustling and cracking and splintering and this human-sized, vaguely feminine form breaks away from the thorn bushes. It just has this odd, vaguely feminine humanoid form, but then bizarrely it's got these piercingly blue, natural-looking human eyes at the center of its head. I need you to roll initiative here. Kathy says, hey, we've been looking for a new singer. Can you sing? No, the thing just <laughs> okay. hisses at you, and you notice these tendrils and stuff growing around your Ooh, I rolled a 20. At 11. And I suppose my highest initiative here is 1, so yeah, 21. It's going to be an 11 for me, because if I'm reading this correctly, I've got two guys with a 0, and I've got two guys with a minus 1. Do you really have a 2, Gareth? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And then Damon. I got a four. And let me see. What have I got for me? Oh, excellent. I'll be at 21. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's a 19. So this particular beast is called a woven woman. Oh, a woven woman. There's no picture, unfortunately. That would be a kick-ass band name, too. That's a good name. Over woman. All right. Well, Cam, you, you may as well go first. So you've got your three. Seeing that she doesn't want to join the band, she should probably die. Gina's going to come with a short bow. She's going to back away from it a little bit and give it a good old short bow with a seven to hit. Oh, she finds it too difficult to discern the creature from the surrounding thorns, and her arrow just strikes a bush and not the woven woman. Then Kathy will come in with a cudgel. With a two to hit. Kathy again has the, the same problem. You just seem to be hitting the surrounding thorn bushes and not this creature. Roll a frickin' 20 for initiative and then a seven and a two. Then Jane comes in with a club and rolls a two. <laughs> we all say the same problem there. Yeah. Guys, it's not here. I can't find it. So I think we're going to just keep going on. We must have been imagining it. It is now the woven woman's turn. And I'm rolling to see who the lucky, lucky person is. It's going to be Sneaky. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's it's going to be Garrett's Sneaky. She lashes out with her tendrils of thorns Ooh, for a four. Yes, go away. All right, so that is a miss. Okay, Brent, your four are up. So Gorg is going to attack with his... Wow, okay, that's a two... It's just nothing. Um, Flailing through the thorn bushes. With a mm -hmm. shovel. And 
Boris is going to attack with their cudgel as well. I don't think they have a bonus. It's going to be an eight. Oh, it's an eight. Uh, yeah, you just miss. Just okay. miss it. Got two more mains. We don't even need to be average here, guys. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, oh, so Deb misses with their arrow. And I don't want to send Doris in there because I'm just... I love the fact that one of their pieces of starting equipment is one late RPG book. They are also going to try to attack with their staff. There you go. The staff makes contact with this creature and it smashes and splinters. Thorns fly everywhere. And you can tell it's like, is that your damage is four? Yeah, max damage. Yeah. You do some massive damage there and it just splits asunder and just shatters. It's like these dry thorn branches and stuff. And you can tell it's hurt and it, but it, slowly starts to reassemble itself and you see the eyes and they look like just two disembodied human eyes and they go rolling along the forest floor back into what appears to be this thing's face and it rises back up again we gotta catch the goddamn eyes i gotta got me a got me a morale check here whoop nope she's staying in there she's hanging in Jenny. Yes. Your three are up. So Nigel is going to step forward with his pitchfork and he is going to throw it as a spear right at the eyes of this creature. Okay. Well. Oh, a four? No. No, no, no. 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 The pitchfork goes sailing through the air and just lodges in a nearby tree. What is happening? All right. Well, then I'll send Margo in with her dagger and see if she can. I uh... think it's mass hysteria, Brent. Okay. Hey, Margo doesn't do much either with her no, dagger. Me. No, the dagger is a four right. five. No. See, there's Deirdre who has a really crappy weapon, but she's going to go for it anyway. What is it? It's an awl that she's using as a dagger. Mm. Might as well take a stab. Oh, excellent. That's a that's a major major damage. Which part of this thing are you attacking? Its eyes. Yeah, go for the eyes. You lodge that thing firmly in one of its eyes. And you okay. roll your damage. Uh, my damage on this sucks because it's a 1d4 minus 1. Oh, there you go. <laughs> one damage. Still? Shame it. Yeah, you blinded it. You definitely blinded it in one eye. She pulls the awl out, and the eye is just still dangling on your little awl blade there. So, and then oh. uh, Damon's crowd are up. Right. Let's start from the top of my particular list. George, the tax collector. He happens to have... A long sword. So he's gonna take a swipe with the sword. The sword of justice. We were all wishing he would die. Pretty handy, I know, right? <laughs> he only gets a four, so that doesn't work. He swings and misses. Hang out of that sword. Yeah. So Gertie, the parsnip farmer, he's well, actually she's pretty clever. What she does is she takes the duck and throws it in the face of <laughs> this uh, creature to distract her, and then while it's distracted, trying to what you know get that duck out of its face. Pokes it in the gut with her spear. Oh. I mean, we're talking clever tactics here. For that bit of creativity, I'm going to let you step up on a die there. Roll me a d24. A d24? Yes, okay. it's a real thing. I've got one in front of me. Got it. A 23? <laughs> Roll for damage. The duck does the job. Four points. As with Brent's last attack, 
The thing just shatters in a hail of thorns and rumples to the ground. And it just looks like standard stuff you'd see on a forest floor. This time it no longer rises and the one blue eyeball turns milky white and is lifeless. My last character is Giddy the Elven Forester. And when they see this happen, they walk up to the eye that just, you know, that popped out and, and just turned, you know, glassed over. Well, I feel bad for you. And uh, they take the time to plant it. They're planting the eyeball? They're planting the eyeball. Lovely. It's very sensitive. Eat that! (laughs) All right, well, you continue on. There don't seem to be any more of these woven women. Woven women! This tower is looming ever closer. Still an indeterminable way off. And so you're marching towards it for another couple of hours. And then you start to notice that the ground becomes very uneven and quite lumpy and bumpy and there seem to be like small hillocks and depressions and then you you start to notice that there are things glinting in the ground before you and as you examine them closer you see that you're seeing the gleam of bone and there are skeletal hands and skulls littered all around here along with rusted weapons and armor does it all seem humanish sized yeah. anyway? Okay. It all seems human and dwarven and mm. elven and all manner, but let's see. Most of it is rusted beyond use, but five items appear to be in good and usable shape. Ooh. So you find 11 arrows. Arrows? Hmm. Yes. Does anyone have a bow? No. Yeah, uh, Gina does. I as well. Does Brent also have a bow? Yes. Nib has the bow. Okay, well, there are 11 of these arrows, and they are 1d30. Oh, no, no, it's 11 plus 1d30. Never mind. Oh. I thought that was a hell of an arrow. There are, oh, okay, there are 38 arrows. Nice. Okay. They appear to be just arrows. Yeah, but they're good, solid arrows. They're good, clean arrows. Okay. In good shape. Kind of arrows you want to take home to your mother. Yeah. Also, some leather armor here. Ooh. Okay. A water skin. <laughs> a nicely polished battle axe. Oh. Oh. Wow. And then the last item you find here. Ah, 50 feet of rope. Nice. 50 feet of rope. Is the leather armor up for ta- up for grabs? I... I'd say it's yours if you want it. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Gertie, who's proven herself to be quite the battle person. That'll give Gertie plus two on her AC. Nice. Leather. It's also gonna give her a minus one to physical checks. Yeah. Okay. Does anybody want the battle axe? Because poor old Deirdre here has has pretty much crap for weaponry. Oh sure, Fleddy would like the battle axe. Then Floody shall have it. Thank you. A battle axe is a two-handed weapon. So when you attack with that, it's going to be a D16. But that's going to do a whopping 1D10 damage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can take something out. So none of that killed you. I, I don't understand. Who's grabbing the water skin? Got it. I'll take the water skin and the rope. Okay. I'll give Jenny the rope. Oh, never mind. Jenny, you can have the rope. There's five okay. of us and five things. Okay, I will give that to Margo, and she will have a length of rope. Never underestimate 50-foot rope. Yeah, absolutely. Nope, may need it. 
Might need it. So as as a two-handed weapon, when I make an attack roll, I roll a D sixteen rather than a D twenty. Is that is that right? Yep. Okay, interesting. And then uh, for damage, it's a D ten plus one. What's your strength it's mod? Strength. Zero. So, oh, so it'd yeah. just be a D ten. Okay, just a D ten. Yep. Okay. You know, I'll tell you what. Let's see if we can get some attack rolls that are above three or four. And we'll 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 go from there. Yeah, decide that. Yeah, true. A, D, a D16 will be as good as a D20 as if you guys continue <laughs> to roll as you do. So as you get closer and closer, the structure begins to take form in your perception. Soon you can see it clearly, despite the mists. A 300-foot monolith covered in 50-foot-long thorns. It looks not so much constructed as grown, like some kind of massive seed pod. There is one entrance ahead of you. 60-foot-tall double doors with a giant latch. Wow. We put a lot mm. of ducks in there. Yeah. We could stack up our ducks, Damon, and have them open the latch. We could put the ducks stacked up on top of the mule, and I still don't think it would be tall enough. Oh, well, you know. Is the door openable? Is it locked? The door is latched. It's two enormous wooden doors, approximately 60 feet in height, with a large latch. Is the latch within reach? The latch is about 30 feet up. Oh. Ooh. All right. Who has the eat me mushroom? There's a space at the bottom of the door that's about a foot tall. Jeez, that's mm. not very much. It looks like you could, if you uh, got down on your on your belly, you could probably squeeze through there. Maybe if someone had an axe, they could chop an easier hole for us. Well, these doors are, are massively heavy. <laughs> not choppable. <laughs> I mean... It could be choppable um, if you want to, like, you know, basically treat it as knocking on the door. <laughs> now, uh, pick Minerton. Uh, my dwarf is going to walk up to the door and look at it, then look underneath it and try and scurry under it to the other side. Oh, yeah, he can he can easily scurry under with plenty of room. And you you would gauge that even a normal sized human could probably squeeze under there, too, if they oh. put some effort into it. What about the mule? Nor be the space mule. The mule may have to weigh outside, I think. Hey, pick Minerton. I shout under the door. <laughs> Can you open it from that side? I'm a fucking dwarf. <laughs> I, I just I didn't know if maybe there was a there was a push button or something. What it's do you see on that side? Button. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I can tell you what he sees on that side. Inside, you see that this is a single huge room. A massive organic shape, like the inside of some colossal hive. Lights shine down from holes within the ceiling, and glowing creatures fly about in the distant expanse, throwing strange green lights across the floor and walls. Reclining against the far wall is a massive creature that looks like it would be 60 feet tall if it stood erect. It has red, brown, and blue fur, <laughs> and its head, face, yeah, all right, stop it. Head, face, and I mean, trunk. I'm not the one that said erect. It has you red, are. brown fur and the head, face, and trunk of a giant predatory beast. The creature's snoring rattles your heart in your chest. Hanging above it from what appears to be a massive tree branch growing from inside of the wall is a domed cage of woven wood more than a hundred feet off the ground. This must be the giant that we can't kill easily by normal means. It's a Totoro! but not as cute. I guess after seeing that, Pick's going to run back under and uh, come back out the other side and like, holy fuck, there's something giant over there, but I think there's a 
jail or something above it. But holy fuck, it's 60 foot tall. It's a giant beast. And he's going to start mimicking and walking around like a big 60 foot tall creature trying to eat things. <laughs> we should send the uh, duck yes, to the both cage. Ducks. Both ducks. Both ducks. What we need to do is convince that thing to come out. What if we attached our 50 foot rope to a duck, sent the duck in, <laughs> got it to wake up the giant, and then like pulled the pulled duck out? Back out. Yeah. I like this idea. <laughs> this smacks okay. of legsy. It's exactly legsy and it worked yeah. great. We're we're gonna we're gonna take our clothes off and we're gonna strip them up in the strips and we're gonna create more rope so we, we have a longer tether on the but duck. For, we don't need for, for serious though, does one of our flying insect friends wanna go and see what's in the cage? We are not able to fly. They- Oh, you're not able to fly. They're just bugs. We're not special. Oh, no, you're not. You know, this is probably a sore point for the bugs. You probably shouldn't mention that again. What, that they can't fly? Can, can, yeah, don't do can that. Can anyone else fly? It, it seems like you're just really, you're bringing us up specifically, and that feels... I look to both the ducks. <laughs> Let me know which of your characters has the lowest look. The lowest <laughs> That would be right. Doris. Zero, Doris. two, and ten, zero. And... That's the modifier. I mean, the actual, the actual Number. look score. I have two characters that have tens in luck. I have two characters with elevens. I have one character with. I have uh, Deirdre who has eight. Ooh, wow. Ooh. He has eight luck. He's very unlucky. Okay, I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> totally, you know, uh, apropos of nothing. Just, just wondering. No reason. Just an icebreaker. Go through. No, who's got that fifty foot rope? I let's attach it to my duck. I've got it. Uh, uh, Margot has the fifty foot rope. She throws right. it to uh, to whoever's got the duck in your team. Dirty can't lift fifty feet. I mean, rope. Nigel's got a duck too, but you know, Nigel's oh. protective. Is there any duck. reason we can't attach the rope to both ducks? We could do that. Nigel will. I, Nigel ties the rope to his duck, and yeah, that gives us two. Yeah, two ducks. Two duck power of lift. Okay, right. so you're sending in two ducks. Uh, attached yep. to the rope. And what are you doing yep. with them? Uh, well, let them just let them wander in. And once they get in any kind of distance at all, Gertie proposes that we smack on the door to wake up the giant. The giant comes running out here, runs past us looking for us, and we go in. And shut the door behind us. But the, but the door is latched. How's the giant going to get out? come running out here? Okay. Oh, he can uh, unlatch the door. Oh, I'm sure the giant will unlatch it. Yeah. Is the latch on the on the inside as well? I presume so. Well, if you went in and had a look, you'd know. Well, well, the well, the one guy came out and became Pick Minerson came running out screaming about a giant. So I don't know if he had any time to look. No. Well, let's let's well, let's send the ducks in, and the, then the ducks can take a look for us and tell us when they come back mm-hmm. up. All right. Yeah, sure. Because ducks talk. I mean, this goddamn flyless bug keeps talking to me. Are you sending the ducks over to this sleeping? giant creature or we're just yeah. pushing them under the door who knows what the fuck they're gonna do they're ducks yeah okay. I, I expect the ducks just to like wake it up or something and then we could lure the giant out to get mm-hmm. that door open and then we can get the mule inside which is the goal <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so basically we're not doing anything ourselves we're just sending our animals in Actually, yes. yes okay all right I'll uh... find out. Why does this game always come to this? You know, I know if, you, if you had a pile of dead bodies, you'd be putting them in. I know it's just... All right. Why not? Okay, well, somebody needs to, to uh, man these ducks and tell me what they're doing. 
Damon, it was your idea. You can man the ducks. All right, I will man the ducks. Am I making rolls for them, or what am I doing? Oh no, you can just just tell me what they're doing. I mean, they're ducks. They can't be they're, doing very much. They're ducks. They're. You know what? The weird thing is that they're probably not all that interested. They're confused about being attached. So then they're like, what they're doing is they're like flapping around and quacking, trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. You know, it's a three-legged race, but with two ducks, and they have four legs, and they can't cooperate very well. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the quacking and flapping, you hear this huge kind of shifting and stirring. The ground quakes a little bit. and Pull them out, pull them out, pull them out. Wait. Wait. The Titan just lashes out with one of its hands. Still asleep. Oh. It just lashes out with one of its fists. And drag the ducks out of its reach if it's pot if, it, if we have to. We don't know what's going on. We can look oh. under the door. Yeah, we can see what's going on. We can see. Yeah. That's the whole point. We want to lure it out. It lashes out for the ducks with a does a 39 hit? No, yeah. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're no. ducks, they're very small. It's, it's it's the have it's you heard the phrase bad. like water off a duck's back? Well, now there are two of them. Exactly. They're so very they're hard. Twice slippery. Yeah. Have you heard the phrase does a 39 hit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. And um, why am I even rolling? This is going to do 8, 9, 8, 9 for 15 This is points. worse than any of my characters dying for, right 15, now. 15 <laughs> points. For fifteen points of damage, and you feel just a, a tug on the end at the end of one of your ropes, and you just hear this kind of sickening <laughs> splat. Oh! Again, one of the walls inside, and then uh, one of your ropes just goes completely limp, and you roll it back in, and there's just 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 a just kind of a bloody mess of feathers at the end of it. Org would like oh. to take the opportunity of the Titan smacking its hand down onto the ducks to grab onto the hand and like not and like be as stealthy as possible as it just like goes back to sleep. Was it ever awake? Are you inside? Like I'd like to be. <laughs> oh, I, d I didn't know you were inside. Yeah, I when thought... did you go inside? Yeah, well, none of us do that. Well, everyone was talking about ducks and so Gork just kind of no only the only the only the ducks went inside. There's still one living duck in there, okay. and that creature just you know it just it just swatted out like it was a. I think, I think you know, it never duck, woke up. It never woke up. It was the second like, duck is in an absolute panic. I think as a result of what just happened, and so it is flapping around, and it's probably actually coming back as best it can. But I'm sure it's making a lot of noise and flappity flapping. Yeah, and um, in you can hear from the other side. You can hear this kind of. <gasps> Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, pull, 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 pull the duck back. Pull the duck back in. Okay. Yeah. Right. Nigel clutches his duck because obviously it was his that survived. Oh, what? <laughs> or, <there I'm... laughs> hey, she said it first. Here's, you know what? I, I think I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assert that both ducks were exactly like, and we had no way to tell them apart. But Nigel still insists that this is his duck. Gertie says, so how do we get the mule in? <laughs> Unless the mule can go under a one-foot gap, it's not going in. Lie down, boy. Jimmy's under the gap. Well, right. George, is, George is fresh out of ideas. He's like, I thought that was a good idea. The store is 60 feet high. It's probably about three feet solid wood thick. And the latch, which is also enormous, is about 30 feet up. And there's a one foot gap that you can squeeze under. Kirk would like to squeeze under. Who the gap. wants mm. to? Uh, 
Well, who wants to pretend to be a globe salesman with me? <laughs> God. Didn't we do a that? Yes, yes, we, we did. did. It worked really well. <laughs> we can pretend to be door-to-door globe salesmen. Gave to the hole in the sky. Yeah, and, and then someone else can sneak around and, and get the dude out of the cage while we beguile him with our globes. Well, well globes? I mean, what do, what do giants like? Magic I mean, beans. Can you be a magic bean salesman instead? Like Englishmen, don't they? Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, I think they kind of hate the magic beans. Okay. When I think about it. All right, all right. Go back to being. No, but we could we could be selling Englishmen. Okay. Yeah. The blood of Englishmen. Sure. So a few of you guys sneak in there and like hide out for a minute, and then we'll knock on the door and pretend to be selling Englishmen. All right. So so who who wants to be on on the infiltration team? Oh, Brent. Nope. All of us. I got it. I'm going in. Okay, the band will stay out here and sell Englishmen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, all your guys are going in? We're doing it. Yep. All mine are going in with Garrett. Damon, what are you doing? Uh, well, I, You know, we're still mourning the loss of a duck and still worried about the mule. My characters are all staying out. All right. Okay. Actually, you know what? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to send one of mine in. Uh, I'll send Margo in, and Nigel's, gonna, Nigel's still upset about his duck, about the other duck, because... He likes ducks. <laughs> That's about all I got. That's all I got, guys. Go ahead. You know what? What the hell? I'll send Gina and Kathy and Jane will stay out. She's got a personality. Okay, so we'll go yep. with we'll, we'll go with the inside crowd first. Again, you're in this <laughs> round room. It's totally organic, like a hive. There's um, rubble and detritus or detritus, however you want to say it, around the, the edges of this room. Detritus. And this giant reclining thing, this titan, this giant furry beast, which is in a deep, deep, deep sleep. And then about 120 feet above that, there's a woven wooden cage. Does there seem to be any mechanism for lowering the cage, or does does the titan just like... Is it at titan height? You can't tell from here. No, okay. it's, a, it's well above him. Is there rubble big enough for us to hide behind? Oh, that's an interesting thought. So you're checking out the rubble to see if there's... Yeah, see if we can hide behind that uh, while the uh, uh, Englishman salesman, sales folk, sales people do their bit. As Gina, is it Gina and Jane or Gina and Kathy? Gina and Kathy, yeah. Uh, Yeah, as they push past some of the debris, they find... A small entrance in the wall that seems to lead to some kind of gloomy chamber beyond. Ooh. I motion for everybody to, to come over this way quietly. Oh, as everybody is quietly going over, mm-hmm. you hear a blood-curdling scream. And <laughs> a vast tendril wraps itself around Weaver and snatches him and drags him screaming across the floor behind you. And turning, you see hanging 30 feet over the door this horrific plant beast that looks like a wickedly carved jack-o'-lantern as big as a carriage with baleful green flame in its eyes and mouth. And it has eight tendrils of thick ropey vine that it seems to use as both legs and arms. And it guttles down the wall, grabs Weaver with another vine, and tosses him into its mouth, where Weaver immediately begins to burn and starts to scream horribly. Ah. And this thing 
scurries back up the wall. It scurries up about 60, 70 feet. And then it starts to put some of its tendrils into its mouth. And then you just hear this ripping and screaming in terror of Weaver as his arms and legs and then his head rain down upon you in a shower of blood and gore. Oh, he's fine. There's poop. And then this thing fixes you with its eyes and says in this quite polite voice, Oh, I'm terribly, terribly sorry. Look what you've made me do. You really should not be here. This place is forbidden to intruders. You must leave now or I shall be forced to devour you. And it then crawls further up the wall and you can see a kind of fissure that's about 100 feet up there and it just scurries into that and disappears. Oh, well, it's gone now. Okay. Oh, and, and Weaver's, whatever Weaver was carrying also rained down onto the floor. Oh, yay. <laughs> we can okay. grab it. Thank you. No, I got it. That's mine. Would you take my loot? So Weaver made it rain. Yes. And that Titan still slept through all of that. Maybe we should GTFO and reassess our plan here. Best <laughs> strike by right. iron is hot. Uh, Gorg would like to just try to scurry up along. I would like to climb the wall up to the cage. You can't find any handhold or foothold on the the wall. Well, we still got the rope. They're too smooth. So the rope wouldn't be any good. There's nothing to. Deirdre could investigate and see if there's, or Margo could investigate. In order to get anywhere near it, you'd 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 literally have to climb up the Titan. Oh, darn. Because he is sitting or it is sitting directly underneath. We potentially shoot an arrow with the rope attached to hit the cage. Into the cage. Mm. But you've only got fifty feet of rope and it's 120 feet up. There's less than fifty feet up. It's at least 120 feet up there. Oh gotcha. Oh yeah. We got to go in the wall. So I'm going in the wall. Oh, the fissure? You've still got a bunch of people outside. Yeah, I don't think, I, I mean, we heard the blood curdling screams, but I don't know that we know much else of what's happening. We couldn't really see anything. Well, as soon as I heard that, Jane would have been like, I guess that's our cue guy. Bam, 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 bam. On the door. Okay. <laughs> the knocking on the door echoes throughout the chamber and the Titan stirs somewhat, but it doesn't rouse him at all. Can we get the mule to kick the door? Sure. The mule mule kicks the door. No, the mule is not going to break its leg. It knows what to do. That's a thick door. Well, it's not trying to break the door. It's just trying to... I will point out what this thing did when the ducks woke. (laughs) (laughs) This was the plan. This was the plan. Mule kicks door. Okay. The mule kicks the door. (laughs) Fair enough. Oh, boy. And Jane goes, Englishmen for sale. (laughs) Fresh Englishman. After that shout, my characters go hide around the corner. Okay. Uh, okay. Again, the beast latches out, still asleep, as though it's just trying to, like, swat a mosquito. And yeah, its fist makes contact with Gina for, let me see, a 32. There's a 32 hit. Yes, a 32 hits. <laughs> that is going to do 9, 11, 17 points of squishing damage oh that's cool yeah so gina just goes sailing through the air and uh, is just shattered every bone um, in her body and goes sliding down the wall along with I all think, of her uh, 
Uh, well, if if her short bow happened to roll under the door, uh, Jane would take it. She was still standing by the door. Okay, that would be fine. Okay, so you still we're still just splitting the party here. We're we just gonna have two people outside. Okay, so all of Damon's characters, and I think Mule, two of mine, and two of yours are yes still outside. So what are you? And what are Jane. you doing? Uh, well, if we're gonna go into the tunnel, I mean, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go in and join the rest of my compatriots. Both of mine are okay. Damon, if, are people going in? Is that what I'm hearing? I think it's just yeah. you. This just it's just your people and Jane from Cam's team are outside, and your All right. mule. All right, boy, I hate leaving the mule. Is there something for the mule to like? eat there's plenty of like vegetation stuff around right. here. There's, like mosses and stuff the mule did a great job kicking the door have some have some moss that's yeah. very sweet of you to think of your mule my three characters will duck under the door and see what's up okay i'm amazed nobody none, none of you thought to to examine the exterior of this tower well, maybe. i was thinking that maybe we should come up with a different plan because we're all okay, gonna get dead go. But there you go. Well, you're all kind of dead anyway. It's <laughs> so, the whole point but, of the tunnel. Yeah, you push past. You push past the debris and find your... So you're going through this uh, gap in the wall? Yeah, sure. I am. Okay, you push past the debris and find yourself in a gloomy chamber that smells like autumn leaves after a heavy rain. The chamber is lit by several of the same glowing creatures you saw in the main chamber, this time contained in a hand-woven cage that hangs in the center of the room. The room is full of debris, and walking across it will be difficult. To your far left, you can see a shadowy passageway, slightly curved as it runs along the interior wall of the huge chamber you just left. In several places down that wall, a tiny breach allows a ray of strange light from the main room to shine in. I would like to send Gorg along the shadowy passage, trying to specifically avoid the beams of light where I can. Okay. And uh, if he's able to determine that it's safe, my uh, other three bugs will follow the same path. Okay, yeah. So he he's making his way along the wall and, base, and, avo- and, avoiding, the, and avoiding the light. Okay. Um, yeah, he makes his way through and he makes his way almost to the end of that passage and it appears it appears to be clear florian davis and uh nib follow okay and the debris strewn hall continues forward and you can see lights ahead at the end of the hallway and at the end of this hallway it's probably about 20 30 feet long you can see what appears to be a hastily fashioned ladder made of lashed together branches and bits of broken spears and twists of rope. And that seems to go upwards. Let's go up. I've learned in my experience that all ladders are all safe all Mm. the time. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll follow down the hallway. All right. Who's taking the lead? All right. My character's going to try and catch up to all this. Okay. is leading. I will say that Deirdre and Nigel will go ahead and follow. Margo's going to go back outside, quietly, past the giant and under the door. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I should just bring a Shrike in. You should, but 
but you won't because you're nice okay. like that. Okay, who's who's taking the point? Who's who's Berg. taking point towards this lad woman? Gorg is. Uh, anything you want to do before then? You just gonna go? What you doing? Stealthily forward, Gorg plunges deeper into the depths, leading his hivelings and his new compatriots. And he's going stealthily. Yes. All right. Give me a DC seven intelligent roll. Oh. Intelligence roll. Oh, okay. So D twenty minus my modifier. Yes. Okay. Minus or plus your modifier. A twelve. Oh, 11. 11. Yep. Gord gets a midway through the tunnel and notices hidden in the debris a tripwire. And he notifies everybody else of this tripwire, allowing them all to safely step over it. Mm-hmm. And Gorg is the first to reach the end of this passageway, and you find this ladder. And the ladder goes up into a rough passage in the ceiling. The passage is about three to five feet wide as it rises, and looks like it's about 60 feet high. Hmm. Onward and upward? Yeah, what else are we going to do? Who's taking up the rear here? I'm assuming my three characters are in the rear. We'll put George in the back. Okay, as George, Gertie, and Giddy are following everyone through, they hear a rustling and a stumbling, and then there's these shrieks and yells, and these two extremely shabby and emaciated men jump out of these recesses in the walls, and one of them hurls themselves at hurls himself at George. Mm-hmm while the other one tries desperately to run past everyone else and make it towards the ladder. So let's have a initiative roll. Uh, first roll was 13. Okay. Uh, does anyone have higher than a 13? Five. I rolled less than a 10. Brent, what have you got? 12. 13. Three. We have three 13s. What's your highest luck score, Damon? Luck. Highest is 15. What's your highest, Garrett? Same. <laughs> Jenny, what's your highest? 13. Okay. Uh, go ahead. I'll go middle. You'll go middle? Okay, good man. Yeah. All right, Damon. Yes. Struggling with this very, very shabby individual who is, I mean, he's quite a small, emaciated man. He's not very tough, but he's like wiry. very, very uh, angry and wiry. And he's he's attacking you with like this. He's got like this makeshift spear. Okay, don't know what that noise. It smells real bad too. But... Yeah, I, yeah. I don't have time to be empathetic with this guy. So this is uh... George, longsword to the gut. We hope. No, I don't think no. so. Gertie, out of ducks. So we're gonna try this spear. Eight. Oh, eight. <laughs> no. All right. It's Giddy finally with the staff. Five. No. No. Wow. Those are those are awful rules. Yeah, and he's just like he's just clawing, clawing right. madly at George. He's just ranting. You devils, the lady in blue sent you, you devils. Oh. Alright. Uh Garrett, your folks are up. There's one guy who is basically just clinging on to George like a some kind of demented Yoda. And the other one who just scrambling over the debris and trying to make his way towards the ladder. So, your call. It's going to be Ladder Man. Okay. Oh, first one. Oh! 19 hit. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> nineteen hits. Yes. See how you do. Oh, oh, max damage. Yeah, five. I'm gonna see it. What did you attack him with? Uh, it was a sling. He's toast. You can just narrate what happened there if you like. <laughs> so uh, it's basically him going to be coming forward, and the sling is going to hit him uh, in the head to the point of where it just craters right into his skull, and you see his eyes go lifeless as his body then pitches forward and breaks his neck and his legs flip over and he rolls towards the bottom of the ladder and stops right before the ladder. Dark. Delightful. Just like Steve McQueen in the Sand Pebbles. Oh, Fuck sad. Me. He was almost there. So, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, Garrett, you still have uh, two. Okay, two, two more. more yeah. people. <laughs> Seeing that, then the other two are going to go for the other guy just to see what I can get out of it. Yeah, he basically had my best best chance to hit. Uh, is a nine going to hit the other guy? A nine misses. Okay, and then six. Nope, nope, got nothing. Okay, Jenny, you're up. Okie dokie. So we got one guy clinging on to poor old George. Yep. Still. Okay, Nigel is going to hand his duck over to Deirdre and step over with his pitchfork. And he's going to try to get this guy off of George, but he doesn't want to kill him. So okay. he's, you said he's a skinny guy, so maybe I can kind of, you know, trap him against the wall with my pitchfork. Will that sure. work? Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. Roll the dice. No. Okay, oh, fine. hell. Oh, hell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, the, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a natural 20. You can do whatever the hell you want for the natural 20. Wait, does, uh, does, she the, does she get to roll? On the the crit da- tables, yes, she does. Oh, so what? um, yeah, give me give me a roll on the crit table. I think it's. Eh, I like to just have you roll a d twenty because let's have fun with the okay. crit table. Yeah. <laughs> nine, oh, nine, a nine. You smash his nose, inflicting two d four of damage. So, in fact, nice. that's four. Oh, that's gonna kill him. That's six. That would kill him. Oh. Oh. Um, but, but but you don't want to kill him, do you? So no, I'm no. You don't, I'm gonna, for a nat twenty, we're going to let you do what you want. Okay. So you okay, basically, so yeah, I, you break, break his, his you break his nose, blood streams down his face, and you've got him basically, I assume, pinned by pinned. his by his throat to the wall. Right. Yes. The, the, yeah. the, with the prongs on either side of his skinny little neck. Yeah, and right. he's just like he's like dangling you know he's still he's like mm-hmm. a good foot off the ground and he's just dangling and thrashing and spitting and foaming at you at this point deirdre who's next will step forward with her little awl and put that to his adam's apple and question him i'm assuming uh I, do i have to roll to see if i get an answer you don't need to roll oh i just want to say who are you and why are you attacking us what do you know of the lady in blue Lady Blue is a devil. She'll send you all to hell, just like she sent us all to hell. Anybody else want to crack at this? <laughs> Are, did you try and rescue whatever was in the cage before? That was a question. I'm not saying nothing to you. Say Why? nothing to you. You devil. Why? You devils. You're all doomed. Doomed uh, to hell. Uh, listen, here's the deal. If you don't want to talk to us, we're just going to kill you. Yeah, this guy's just like bonkers his eyes are just like rolling about in his head he's just foaming at the mouth and just thrashing wildly and he just like spits and just makes basically barking noises at you i think we got to kill him 
Or okay, well, you're all gonna die. You're yeah, all kill him. Gonna, you're all going to hell with the lady in blue. Dead. Poke, poke. Stab, stab. Well, it's not my turn. Well, he dies from his. He dies from his. His eight point nose or his six point nosebleed. Anyway, <laughs> his nosebleed. Okay. <laughs> He's, he just Oops. he just bleed he just bleeds out and then just yeah, falls that was, limply. I, I wish that. <laughs> I wish that was a roll against that that giant jack o' lantern beast, but nope. I had to waste it on some skinny little whatever. Oh well. It wasn't a I waste. Tried. It I was tried, a guys. Day. I tried. <laughs> it was a good effort. There doesn't seem to be anyone else here. Those guys were only armed with these basically homemade spears. They're not worth anything. Their clothing was basically rags. They had no armor. So I'm going to pick up the spears. You're taking those makeshift spears? Okay. (laughs) They do uh, 1d6. It's better than 1d4. Yeah. No bonuses or anything on them. Got it. Thank you. I will... um... I would also like to just just remind you that uh, uh, Margot's back outside. What's Margot doing outside then? She's walking around the tower. Oh, looking. Okay. Do you know what a Gru is? <laughs> oh God. Margot's yeah. been eaten by a Gru. The end. Um, no. Okay. Uh, no. 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 Right. <laughs> no. 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 Did she, uh, did she die? Of, did she die of dysentery? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, you wish you have died of dysentery. Is the okay? So you're. So what are you doing? Are you examining? I'm examining you... the. I'm examining the tower. The the materials oh, of the okay. tower. Yeah. Uh, to um, see if there's any entrances. Ah. Yeah. Passages. You see. Um, yeah. She sees. Uh, Margot spies a small smoke hole, about a hundred and fifty feet up in the tower, from which. Trailing wisps of grey smoke are emanating. Well, she would like to investigate that closer. So she's going to climb the, the tower? Okay. Can she? Of course. I mean, there's some rope there. You can do whatever you want. She's, all, she's the one with the rope. Okay. So, yeah, Margot makes her, makes her way up. The surface is covered in these huge, razor-sharp thorns. But she manages oh. to, like, wend her way carefully through all of those and gently use them as they seem to be razor sharp but she like gently uses them as as footholds and she manages to get up a good 75 80 feet up that tower so let's have a dc 15 strength check from margo here because she's getting pretty exhausted as she's halfway up this climb that's pitiful yeah 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 (laughs) it's it's She's like she starts to make her way up and she gets another, you know, 10, 15 feet. So she's still about 50 feet from that smoke hole. But then she's just exhausted and she tries to get a grip, but her hands are so weak and she just slides and falls away and tumbles the 95 feet to the ground. And as she does so, she, she hits thorns and they just slice through her. And she just falls in various sections onto the ground below. Oh, Margo, we hardly knew you. Uh, all she had was she had a dagger and a fine. But nobody get nobody gets her stuff. It's all outside. Right. There's, there's nobody around to get it, except the mule. 
<laughs> yeah. Poor mule. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the ladder, the ladder leads up into a rough passage in the ceiling, three to five feet wide, and the passageway looks like it goes up about 60, 70 feet. Onward and upward? Or... Yep. Up we go. All right. So you all start heading up. Um, this vertical passage is rough and narrow. The first ladder leads to a second and then a third. All makeshift, all a bit rickety, but serviceable. There are several tiny holes in the wall, and they let in a dim light from the main chamber of the prison. Uh, yeah, so what, we can just see that we're going up uh, through these holes as the light's coming in? And we get up you to... Can, yeah, you can see through these, through these holes, you can see into... Um, they go through the wall and into the main prison area. You can kind of see the, the fur of that titan. Okay. And you're all climbing up there, and you hear a familiar scurrying. Oh, is it the pumpkin head? Along one of the outsides of the walls, and suddenly a large section of the wall tears away, and you see a green glowing pumpkin eye staring at you, and tendrils lash into the passageway. Mm -mm. And they snatch Deirdre off the ladder as she goes screaming, but manages to hold on to the section of wall before being pulled through completely. So let's see, Deirdre. Be fine. What are we going to do here? Nothing to worry about. But she's fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, she's fine. She's not, she's not dead. Yeah. I'll give you a choice here. Okay. You can make a look roll for Deirdre. Deirdre has eight luck. No. <laughs> so you would need to roll eight or lower for that to succeed or she could make a, a dc 18 strength roll so she's got to get more than 18 18 or better no that's not going to happen all right well i'll try my, if, i didn't say they were good offers 15% no it's chance. terrible 15 okay chance. so so i have to roll my luck modifier that's just great deirdre is just whisked screaming through the wall she's dead as suddenly as it had appeared the creature is gone and you just hear deirdre's screams vanish into the distance Ooh. nigel is grateful that he got his duck back a voice fills the tunnel oh dear oh dear oh dear i've told you you really shouldn't be here look what you've made me do i've made such a mess now this gaslighting is ridiculous. Your friend yeah. is all over the walls now. It's such a mess. You really need to leave this place at once, or I shall have to devour you all. Mm. All right, this guy's going down. Right. Keep going. And you. I think our numbers are still great. Yeah. Okay. As you're climbing up, you can see the top of this passage above you, and you can hear voices talking quietly from what appears to be some chamber at the top of this passage. And they seem to be, they, they have voices that seem to be talking amongst themselves. They don't seem to be talking about you or anything. It's almost as if they, they're just having a conversation. They don't appear to be aware of you at all. Hey, listen. I try and figure out what they're saying. You can just hear muffled voices. You can't really understand. Get close enough to said. listen. You can hear the kind of deeper, more booming voice of, of what sounds like a dwarf. And there seems to be a conversation about uh, uh, lack of food and lack of clothing and uh, division of labor. And it seems to be all sort of menial things like that. Why haven't we gotten to the cage yet? It's very linear, isn't it? 
And it is. We should be there already. I mean, I can't tell from your description whether or not we can sneak up on them or what's going on. Well, they certainly don't seem to be aware of you. Right. Somehow they did not hear Deirdre's screams. But we have to go past them, right? There's no way to, like, we can't sneak past them. We have to actually... I don't know. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to get to the top of this ladder and, oh, and yeah. take a peek, ahead. maybe. Let's do that. Yeah, this is a long, low chamber with the offensive odor of too many humans living in too small a space. Light comes in from several tiny holes in the walls. Around the room is a ragged group of humans, adult men and women in overworn clothing, unkempt and filthy. There's one dwarf here, as ragged as the rest, but wearing a rusty suit of scale mail. The dwarf sits at a low table against the interior wall, his back to the shaft. There are sleeping pallets around this room. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yes, his back to the shaft. Cam, all right. There are sleeping pallets around it. <laughs> there are sleep, you're damn right. There are sleeping pallets around this room, a small cooking area partitioned off by a low circle of blackened rocks, several hanging bundles, and two woven cages holding the glowing giant insects you have seen in the other chambers. There's about a dozen, you see, you can, you spy about a dozen of these figures, plus this dwarf dude. Alright, I'm climbing up. Yeah, Giddy, Giddy says, hey, should we just go meet these people? Do it. Yeah. Giddy climbs over, hey, hello! The dwarf spins around in his chair, and his eyes widen in horror, and he screams, Intruders! Intruders! And all of the others spring to their feet, Roll for initiative. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Five. Yes. Oh my god. Two. That's not good. Eight. I've got 18. I have a six. So all of these dozen filthy humans scurry around and they grab basically clubs and the dwarf fetches this heavy battle axe from the wall and they all stand their ground and either Damon or Jenny can go first. Take your pick. I've only got one character, so that's Nigel with his pitchfork. So Nigel will go for a throw at the nearest person. Well, the nearest person would be the dwarf. So I'll take out the dwarf. Okay. 16. Ooh. Does that hit? <laughs> yes, it hits. Very well. For seven. I thought we might try negotiation, but I guess not anymore. Wow, you're using your last person wisely. That pitchfork sinks right into the dwarf, and he gasps breathlessly. And stumbles backwards and falls against his chair. It looks like he's mortally wounded, but not quite. Okay, so that's your turn. Damon, you've got one near mortally wounded dwarf. Yeah, as I say, this is what's going to happen if you resist us. So you join us or die. And then George goes after the dwarf to kill him off. Okay. With his sword. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. No, the sword just swunks into uh, the wooden table. Yeah, but Gertie's on it. He still makes it look very threatening, George did. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, oh my god. Okay, so a 20 will hit. 10 points, maximum damage. <laughs> you can narrate the dwarf's end if you would like. Yeah, so this is a pitchfork. The center yes. kind of the pitchfork, or the center couple of times the pitchfork go through his neck, while the other two hold his head in place. <laughs> Wow, he's just been killed wow. by two pitchforks. Wow. Yeah, that was a double that was a double pitchfork threat there, Damon. We got oh, it. <laughs> so Giddy tries to figure out whether anybody else looks like they want to fight us. And if anybody has any like if it looks like anybody still is interested in fighting, he's gonna go after the nearest one of them. 
What's the assessment? Yeah, at the moment, they're still waiting to get to their turn so they can make a morale check. Right then. There's a natural 20. Okay, give me another d20 roll. A two? Two, okay. And so you're just hitting the nearest... Yep, with a staff. ...abandoned ones with a staff. Okay, well, the crit is that uh, you jab him in the eye for ugly bruising and inflict an additional 1d4 of damage. Okay, nine points maximum damage. Oh, yeah, you do some mortal, mortal injury to it, to that person. And they, yeah, they just crumble. All right, I love it. Crumble like a sack. Garrett, you are up. Seeing this, I'm just going to go after some other people to try and deter them from uh, taking us on. Uh, Does a 16 hit one? Uh, 16 absolutely hits, yes. Nice. Now we're starting to roll, boys. And a four inflicts fatal damage. Okay, then assuming a nine doesn't do anything. A nine does not hit, no. And an eight will not either. All right, that's me. Okay, uh, Brent, you are up. Is there a way that I would be able to force or hinder a morale check on on the remaining peasants? Because how many do, how many peasants do we have left here? Ten. Ten. Okay. This could be a serious bolster for our numbers if we if we're able to absorb this group. Would that be like a personality role or something? Yeah, unfortunately, these guys all seem as insane as the two that attacked you in the lower levels. Okay. I don't know how much reasoning can be done with them. They've basically regressed to the point of being animals at this point. They're pretty much subhuman. Okay. That's cool. Um, uh, we're just going to start doing a lot of damage then. Murder siren. Murder siren. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was a very, very good idea, though. Thank you. Ford is going to attack with a cudgel at a 13. What? Cudgel's going to hit, for okay. sure. What kind of cudgel does he have here? He's a grave digger. So he smacks a nearby person with a shovel for zero damage, technically. Or no, one. Yeah, no, one, one. It's always going to be okay. a one. All right. Yeah. So you, yeah, you knock that, you knock that person back, and they're, yeah, they're pretty beat up, but they're still going. Doris follows up on that same person with with their mm-hmm. cudgel, which I've decided is a chair leg, and rolls an eighteen. Very nice. And with said eighteen, going to deal another one damage. Wow! Oh, wow! You were doing really bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Hitting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, very, very, very bloodied at this point. Nib is going to not attack with one of his arrows because he does not feel that it's worth it. Instead, he's going to go to the back of the group uh, as far away from any any aggressors. Uh, meanwhile, Fleddy is going to approach with their mighty bat- battle axe see 1d16 to uh attack the one that gorg and doris have been working on and he got a seven to hit no it's not okay that's fine and that's all my friends all right cam you are up okay kathy and jane do is there anybody currently injured one one okay jane will try a short bow in a thatwardly direction for a 15 thump. to hit. Yep, that hits. For three damage. She's using one of the 19 arrows, if that matters. That finishes them off. You can narrate okay. it if you want. or No, I, I think that 
just a shot to the chest and a and a tip over is gonna do for this one. Okay. You still have one person, right? Yep, and Kathy is gonna do a cudgeling on whoever I guess whoever remaining seems uh most deserving of a cudgeling. Right. Number four. Ooh. Sixteen to hit for four damage. Nice. Yep, that kills him. Alright. Yeah, Kathy might back up a couple steps just to be closer to her people. Okay, the remaining eight of them just panic and flee. Some of them grab some of the bundles suspended from the ceiling, but they're just scarpering, doing their damnedest to get past you and climb down the ladder back into the passageway to escape from you. Damon, maybe we should try to catch one of them and we could, you know, try the duck trick with one of them. <laughs> I <laughs> Too much effort. <laughs> it's Frankly, never too much hope... effort for Legsy, man. I just hope Pumpkinhead eats them. And spends more time with them than us. Well, I mean, he hasn't been. They're supposed to be here. What's in the bundles again? Um, The bundles just seem to contain personal effects, and most of them are just kind of raggy garbage. Never mind. Um, I wondered if maybe they have something that is able to ward Pumpkinhead away, like maybe those insects, those like glowy insects. Were Were there glowy insects in this room, or am I just thinking of the main chamber? That's right. They're glowing insects. Yeah, they're glowing insects pretty much everywhere. So, um, you're ser- Brent, you're searching these bundles? Yeah, Fleddy's going to take a look around. Okay, you find 84 silver pieces mm. That's in the various bundles. That's really useful these days, where we are. And then one of the bundles appears bigger than the others and... Has a baby in it. You get, no. You get, you're, you're guessing it probably... It's nicer than the others, so you're guessing it probably belonged to the dwarf who was their leader. And inside that you find seven gold pieces oh, wow. and a brilliant blue topaz of rare clarity and depth. Oh, wow. Ooh. All this money. Worth about a hundred gold pieces. Wow. So useful. The room is surrounded by... Like, the walls of the room are basically hung with these dusty ragged blankets anything else you want to do here you've got some you've got some dead guys and you got the dead dwarf leader lying I'd like to loot the dwarf. two pitchforks you'd like to loot the dwarf yes yeah okay looting the dwarf well he's got a he's got a fine battle axe and then um you also find um in one of his pockets wrapped in a silver cord a whetstone it appears to be maybe a magical whetstone when a stone is run across the edge of a bladed weapon, the weapon lights up with a strange purple fire, lasting oh. for seven combat rounds, during which the weapon does plus 1d6 damage per successful strike. Very nice. The whetstone can be used once per day. Mm. Pretty nice. cool. uh, that actually is really cool. I, that's that's pretty inspiring cool. me for homebrew D&D. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like that, that, That's a cool idea. 